This is Listen Lakeland, the show that keeps you up to date on all things happening in and around the Lakeland area. Here's your chance to plan your family activities and learn more about what your city government and your neighbors are doing to make Lakeland a great place to live, work, and play. Well, good morning. Thank you for tuning in to the October edition of the Listen Lakeland Radio Show. My name is Amy Wiggins, and I am a Lakeland Vision board member. Each month, board members like me sit down with the folks who are helping to make Lakeland an exceptional place to live. And since October is National Arts and Humanities Month, we're excited to talk about how art and artists have engaged with this unique period of time. Polk Museum of Art was obviously impacted by the restrictions that were related to the COVID-19 pandemic, like all arts and cultural organizations in Lakeland. In response to closing their physical space, the museum team set to work expanding digital offerings and educational programs. One such project is Hindsight 2020 Art of This Moment, an online exhibition of art produced since March 2020. I'm joined today by Alex Rich, the Executive Director and Chief Curator of the Polk Museum of Art at Florida Southern College. Thank you, Alex, for being here. Thank, thank you so much for having me, Amy. I appreciate this and any platform to be able to talk about art in general and what we're doing at the museum. So thank you. You bet. Absolutely. I know um, I, I said to um, said to some folks, this is we're going to have to time ourselves because you and I could get in trouble talking about how important. Yeah, there'll is. be no lack of conversation here. Yeah, we're going to have to give us the big cane and pull us off stage. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I, I really want to focus today, and, and you and I have talked a little bit about how arts organizations, ours and others that we have experience with, um, that, that how they focused on the things that they can do rather than focusing on the things that they can't do. It's so easy um, to fall into that um, trap, so to speak. And so I, the other cool thing for me is that I get to learn a little bit about um, how to curate an exhibition because that's it's i think that's a really neat process so yeah. i want to learn a little bit about that too yeah. but um first i want to start out let's talk about why october is national arts and humanities month why is it so important that you and i can talk about arts for hours on end well i think as with many dedicated months it should be every month should be an arts sure. month as far as i'm concerned but i think it's really important because especially now in light of everything that's gone on this year, and especially arts organizations, among all organizations across the country and the world, but especially with arts organizations, we are typical, typically charitable organizations, nonprofits, sure. and we are there to offer a respite and a calm in all times, but especially in a chaotic time like now, and I think the arts have never been more important than this moment. I think seeing the world through many different eyes and many different perspectives, or listening to music, as you know, right, can yeah. open your mind to new ways of listening of learning of anticipating what we need to think about in the world for in terms of our community in terms of our collective use of the world and the space in general and i think in terms of art people all learn about art in different ways but everyone's familiar with it if we think about the one thing that unites us all everyone looks at visual culture everybody looks through imagery everyone listens to music it's one thing we all share whether you are an arts aficionado or not having this month dedicated to this and this period where we can think about the arts really makes us think about where art impacts us in our everyday lives. 
and how we impact art, even as individuals. You know, I am I am not a musician, but I still love music and I love to create music, even if it's just in the shower where no one can hear me. We we all have those kind. Of, that's again that kind of collective experience um, that that kind of humanity that unites us. So I think that's one of the cool things about about how Arts and Humanities Month is celebrated is that it really does focus on the individual artist, um, whether that person is a professional or an amateur. True, yeah, it's just that universal place of art in our collective lives, whether you're an artist or not. And as you said, yeah, we all sound great in the shower and we can all sure. do a stick figure drawing, but then obviously some excel more in various arts, but we, it touches us all in many ways. And we touch art, as you said, as well. We are impacting that and its presence in everyone's worlds and lives. And I mean, from everything from, I mean, I am a TV addict, right? I mean, it's funny yeah. when I'm teaching my students in class, I say, I kind of see the world through TV. It's like, oh, well, what day of the week is it? And when I'm off on the days of the week, now, I realize, oh, I'm anticipating that some TV show is about to be on, but you know, we all all see arts in different ways, highbrow, lowbrow. It is fully part of our immersive existences. Totally, totally. And I think, you know, one of the neat things that um, that I've loved to see, especially through social media, is how people are engaging with their own um, versions of culinary arts. I mean, how many people were were suddenly bakers um, extraordinaire in their kitchens? And that's, you know, that's all part, again, of that creation process. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. Art is creating something and to that end, very specifically right now, the museum is focusing on this online exhibition of art that has been created in this very unique time. I think that's how yes. um, how you guys have described it. So talk to me about how that, how Hindsight 2020 came to be. Well, Amy, I think you alluded to this at the beginning here, that this whole period in our lives since March has forced and impelled a lot of us to be more creative, right? I think a lot of arts organizations could have faded away, but we have tried to be more innovative than ever. And I've said this over and over. I am so proud of my entire museum team. We didn't just shirk from our responsibilities as being a museum. In fact, the innovations that we created over the past six months have been just incredible. They, we have, you know, we have virtual programs. I think we've done 23 or 24 virtual programs now oh, since yeah. March. I've become this unwitting cable access style host every week for the museum, but it's great. <laughs> we never had virtual programs before. We right. have a blog. We did take home art activity kits. We have really answered the idea of, well, can a museum at exist and continue to exist outside the bounds of the building itself. And we said, yes, we can reach people in their homes, reach people in their everyday worlds. At the same time, that doesn't replace the physical experience of the museum. But now we realize that these are programs that we're not going to discontinue. We are reopened and it's great having the public back, but these programs will continue into perpetuity. We realize that now we can be on both sides of the spectrum. And I I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, I know uh, arts organizations um, are, gratefully and also sometimes to their own detriment steeped in tradition and so this time has been a a really um difficult time for a lot of organizations you think about um the what you had an exhibition of dutch masters Right. So uh, ancient paintings by uh, by modern standards. And, you know, the the ISO, we're we're working towards celebrating Beethoven's 250th birthday. Right. So we tend to be kind of um, kind of this is how we do it. And so it's so nice. It's really energizing, I think, for all of us involved in the arts community to be having this yes and kind of moment. Exactly. 
Yes. Um, I know we've we've really um, kind of been energized by that too. So I am taken yeah, away. And it's, from... forced us, and it's forced us to think outside the box, as you said. Yeah, I mean, we opened up, we have this music and dance exhibition that just closed last weekend. We, closed, we extended through the end of September and it was our biggest and most expensive exhibition ever. And sure. that was very traditional for us. And we had it open for five weeks and we closed. But then while we were closed, we started to think, well, what else can we do here? We can do online exhibitions, but also this is a transformative moment in everyone's lives across the entire globe. And it was really important to me, certainly as the director and as the chief curator of the museum, that we use the space of the museum and the space of the arts to document this unique moment sure. in the whole, I mean, in global history, right? 2020 will go down forever. You will always remember X number of months of our lives. Everything right. will be the same, will be different, and nothing will ever be the same again. We'll return to some semblance of normality at some point. But of course, it was important that we use the space of the museum to make some sort of historical record through the form of art. And so I think it was back in April that um, I said to my team, why don't we do some sort of open call for artists where we have them enter works of art that they produced during this time. And it took us a few months to wait and to be able to put out the call. We decided, let's give a few months for people to actually process this and to produce a body of work. And then we put out the call in July and we said, hey, if you have produced art in any media during the previous five months, this is what we want you to enter in for our Hindsight 2020 Art of This Moment exhibition. And we opened it up to everyone in the Central Florida region and with all age levels, all levels of experience. And for me, certainly as a professor and again, as a museum educator and museum director, it was really important that we make this space accessible, inclusive, get as many voices in because it wasn't just about the pandemic either. Right? Think about everything that's gone on in our country and beyond in the last five months. So we left right. it really open-ended. It could be about the Black Lives Matter movement. It could be about social justice. It could be about pan the pandemic. It could be about sadness, isolation, depression, happy things, you know, the few things that actually do make you happy. We said it could sure. be anything that you wanted from this time. And we had such an outpouring of interest. We were overwhelmed by the number of entries for the show. It was incredible. Wow. It, it actually exceeded all of our expectations. That's amazing. And so you open that up to everyone in Central Florida from Polk yes. County and, and all the surrounding counties. That's that's amazing. I think um, one thing that I want to mention, because I was intrigued by it as I read the call to to submissions, um, it included things that I wouldn't normally think about being in a museum like video. Tell me a little bit about, um, because I, I think, um, like it or not, we have kind of this, again, traditional expectation of what is in an exhibition. So are we? you received submissions of, I'm sure, traditional paintings and drawings and sculpture, but also some, some probably some interesting digital exhibition uh, options as well. We did. And now what was what opened us up? I mean, we, we are still, as you said, we are a pretty traditional museum. Mm -hmm. I mean, in many ways, when you're in person, we're Smithsonian affiliates. So we have certain standards and right. types of shows we like to put on. But, you know, the space of an online exhibition really opened us up there. And because we are not necessarily showcasing all professional artists and we got submissions by really well-known artists, artists that we have in our collection. But also, you know, we had we had submissions from ages seven to ninety nine. Oh my I swear, goodness, it was amazing. Tremendous. And we had we had 232 artists who entered into the show, and we had about okay. 700 works that we sorted through in terms of jurying. Wow. Um, and we've narrowed that down for the exhibition that is up now that just launched on October 3rd. We have it now uh, with 72 artists who are featured, and we narrowed that down uh, to just under, uh, I think the total number is just under about 95 works. So it was wow. a lot of jurying there, but everything, as you said, I mean, it runs the gamut from paintings and drawings to jewelry 
to digital media, to videos. And really, it's amazing to see how everyone was working very much through this process, um, how mm-hmm. they were approaching a time that was very discomforting in their own lives and approaching it through all these various media. And we also asked everyone to submit descriptions or explanations for what was going on, what their mindset was in making the work of art. So we have extra explication available also through the online exhibition, which you can see on our website. That's fantastic. So you mentioned um, juried, uh, that this was, so tell, tell me, tell us novices what that means and what that process looks like, because holy cow, that was a lot of art. To... It was a lot more than we ever expected. And we, I mean, we're, we love, I, I, I'm floored by the fact that people really took this into account. And, you know, I think the idea of being able to say you had your your work in an online exhibition at a Smithsonian affiliated museum is Absolutely. a big deal. And we took that very seriously. Um, and so we love that people left at this opportunity. But this gives you a little bit of, as you said, a little bit of the curatorial process behind it. I mean, it was really, you know, for me, since I am the curator of the museum, I proposed an idea and we all were like, yeah, that's fine. Let's do it. And I'm the director too. So we could do it. Um, so that makes it kind of easy to do, but it took right. a lot of teamwork and effort. And I'm really grateful um, to my entire cur- curatorial team and to my assistant, um, the assistant to the executive director, Diane Baires, who coordinated this whole effort. It was a lot of legwork wow. uh, reaching out to the artists and processing the files and then putting together this huge PowerPoint doc that then we as the whole museum team, we all weighed in on because we really wanted to have this to be a museum juried show. And again, to that word means we are basically not accepting every single work into the show. We are judging it on different value points, saying, well, what is the theme here? What is the explanation for it? What is the merit of it aesthetically? What do we feel with this work? And obviously we couldn't take everything. We would have loved to be able to showcase 700 works, but I don't think the bandwidth of our website would permit that, um, (laughs) nor would the certainly the whole range of the objects we got in there. We wish we could show more, but you know, also we want to be somewhat selective here for this. So the jurying process was going through and with a rating system, we did ratings of one through four, and we judge things in terms of, yes, we have to have this in the show. I will put up a big fight if I don't get this in the show. Right. Or two, one, this isn't exactly appropriate for this exhibition. And then that's how we did it. And um, it narrowed it down. It was not easy process to do by any means. And this took hours and hours and days and days to do. But we're really satisfied with what we what turned up in the end. And we think it was a really fair process, too, because obviously each of us at the museum has a very different perspective on what we would like in art or what we'd anticipate for the show. And I think the end results, we have a huge range of media we have a huge range of talent of ages and we're so excited actually um we have the age range ends up being in the show eight to eighty wow yeah which we which we love absolutely who doesn't love that well i think that's a, you make a really interesting point that because it was a museum project, you really do have a tremendous diversity on on your team there at the museum. Um, and some of those um, some of those experiences that you were mentioning earlier and the and the kind of realities in which we live are all affecting everyone in a different way. So I, I'm I'm encouraged. I think that that's been such a um, an important part of this process for you and the team, and and really creates. Um, um, and an end result with high integrity, which is ultimately yeah. as a Smithsonian institution and, and as, as an as an artist yourself, it's a it's a priority for you. Certainly. And, I th- and I think what was so exciting about it is that, you know, it opens us up to a wider community, definitely. But also I think mm-hmm. it makes us more more and more relevant. And I think that's really important, given all the conversations we've all been having, the really important conversations about the need for diversity and for inclusion, being mm-hmm. able to get voices from everybody who was interested through the entire Central Florida region. I mean, I was I was moved by so many of the works. And I think anybody who logs on to look at the exhibition is just going to see such outstanding talent out there. And right. even beyond just the aesthetic value of the work, so 
so many great concepts underlying the works themselves. Would we show every single one of those works in person in an exhibition? Probably not. But that's the value of an online exhibition that is really open to anybody of any talent and any ideas. And we like doing that. And the online space, which we never would have used before in this way, really sure. did open up, open us up to that possibility. Well, it really does expand your um, your capabilities. You, there are only so many walls in a building, right? right? And right. so you do have to be much more intentional and, and really um, probably restrictive on the decisions that you make on what is exhibited um, indoors, where this online is, is really just, um, I, I am I am so excited for you. I think this is just such a, a neat project. And I love yeah. that, um, I love the diversity of artists that are yeah. represented. That's- And it's um, funny, and it came, to, it came to the point where I just realized, I'm like, wait a second. And I love titles. My staff can tell you this. I'm kind of obsessed with titles, even when I'm sure. as a professor or with students or when I was myself as a student. I love creating titles. And I won't write anything until there's a title because I think the title creates kind of a primary thesis. It tells okay. you exactly what something is about. Right. Um, I do that for all the shows at the museum. But I'm like, wait a second. Hindsight 2020. I mean, if we don't mm -hmm. grab this moment, this is, this is one time I can ever have an exhibition called that. Um, and I don't know if we, maybe, who knows, then we can play around with it. You know, if we want to do future iterations of this, now we can do hindsight 2021 in theory or revisit in 10 sure. years, hindsight 30, 2030. But we had to grab the 2020. It just fell to me. I'm like, okay, now there's no choice here. We have to do this exhibition. Absolutely. I am. Um, I, I think it's really, you, you mentioned, you know, we, we really are as arts organizations um, struggling in that leadership role in equity, diversity and inclusion and how important that is to our local communities, because ultimately arts organizations are a reflection of the needs of their communities. And so, um, so we, I love that this really is on screen through that bandwidth, a reflection of our community and their shared experiences. And so what um, do you have? Um, I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as people come to see this online, what are you hopeful that they will um, encounter? Or, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I know that I love when people come to a symphony concert or or a, a concert with symphonic instruments, I have to say now, because we're obviously not all 48 musicians on stage at this juncture. Um, but I love it when people come and they experience that and they um, they tell, send me an email later and tell me how powerful it was and that it brought joy to their heart. And I know um, that's just something that that for for music, we really love to be able to to hear specifically how it, how people have been impacted by their participation. How do you expect people to, um, as they come in and view the exhibition online, what are you, what are you challenging them to accomplish for themselves? Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's, there's little more valuable to us in any arts organization, as you said, Amy, and certainly at the museum than when we get positive feedback. And I mean, we're, we're great to have any feedback that anyone wants to share with us because it shows that they're thinking about art or thinking about what we're doing. But positive feedback along the lines of opening one's mind to new ideas or to seeing art of different forms or formats than anybody ever thought was even art before. Um, I gave a virtual lecture last week on uh, Dada, and the idea there was that anything can be art. And certainly, I mean, I think we can value that idea that, you know, if you are an artist and you feel like what you are doing is something that speaks to you and it might speak to other people, then yeah, that, that probably right. is art. And I think people are going to see things in hindsight 2020 as they might in the museum or as they might listen to um, at an ISO concert, right? They might hear things, wow, I've never, ever 
heard or seen anything like that before. But that's valuable, right? We can't live in the bubbles of our own worlds. And I think if this whole period of our lives has shown us anything, oddly, I think we're more connected now than ever. I think the mm-hmm. ease of being able to see people through screens, which is ironic, of course, we've now been able to connect with more people more often than we ever could before. And I think that's true of art. You're going to see the world through many other people's eyes. You're going to see new takes on, wow, I never thought that, you know, and it actually it's great because we include the dates when these are created. So you'd be like, oh, this is okay. April work. This is a May work. This was produced right. in August of 2020. You might be able to find where the reference points are. You might mm-hmm. not be able to find where they are, but it's amazing to think that this was produced in this precise moment in time. And I love that we have also that definitive timeline to be able to trace it, where you don't get that with most works of art. So I hope that people's eyes are open to new people's perspectives, to diverse voices, but also maybe just to simply art that they never thought was art before. Sure, absolutely. Well, like, you know, things I know are art, I was still kind of, it, it, it just, I had to reframe the way that I envisioned something. Um, so curiously, are, do, is this exhibition, um, is it arranged in some sort? Is it chronological or is it, how, how will people experience it um, when they visit? It's a great question. I mean, and I think it all depends on how people visit the actual website. I mean, because mm-hmm. it depends. Remember, it's not going to be on the walls of the museum. So right. I think people can have their somewhat more individualized experiences of it. Um, it won't be arranged. It, it, I mean, they, they won't have it on their own screens arranged in a chronological or age-oriented way. Um, okay. Although you will find that I think uh, I think the total number that ends up in the exhibition, I think there are about 11 who are in there who are under 18. So okay. um, you might be able to sort those and gather those sure. and see those all together as a body of work, but it won't be in terms of a strict timeline. It's not like they we're going to tell a story just from uh, from March through August. They will be. It is right. if you if you look at it in the way that we have it formatted on the website, it is more randomized, which I think is really interesting because it kind of takes you back yes. and forth through time, which I find more exciting. And actually, mm-hmm. if you find most of our exhibitions, we rarely put them up in strict chronological order. Most of the right. time, we do it aesthetically. And in terms of this exhibition too, you know, we're not going to have all black and white works all filling up your first three screens, right? You're going to see when you come to our website, um, there is a mix of, you know, works that are in bright colors and ones that are photographs and you're going to have a video. So your screen experience will not mimic the experience as it would be in a gallery, but you're Mm -hmm. going to get that sense of from one work to the next, it isn't going to be an easy defined timeline or series of connections. And I think that makes it more exciting. I mean, as a curator, I very much believe that you can get very, very tired by looking at the same type of work of art side by side by side. Sure. Like, okay, I sure. get it. But if you go from one type of work to another type of work to a totally different type of work as you work mm-hmm. your way around the space or around a digital screen, I think that that will keep you more engaged as you go on. That's fabulous. Okay, so 99 total works. How um, long? No? It was 72 total artists. Okay. Out of nearly out of 232 who submitted works, and we had nearly 700 submissions. And then um, I believe the final number. I might be wrong with what ended up there because we kept trying to pare down and then say, "Oh, but we really want that work." Um, (laughs) It's about 90. It's about 95 total works in the show, with representing 72 different artists. And will this be up in um, in perpetuity, or is there an end date? That's the exciting part about this. In theory, we could have pulled down the exhibition when it's over. But the great thing about this is that, you know, after it's launched on October 3rd, it now is up 
forever. I mean, it will always exist in the digital space, mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. it will remain on a website forever. So, you know, if you want to add this to the resume, so they want to come visit it, or in years to come when they want to revisit the idea of 2020 through the lenses of artists of the time, right. we're keeping that official visual documentation available on the website. I, I you know even right now, I'm teaching students now who are truly the first generation of students that were born after 9-11. And I've, had, I've been having discussions right. about that with them, that now 9-11 lives only in historical memory and photographs and if we can do something not that not not that 2020 is 9 11 but in terms of documentation of an important moment in our Mm -hmm. collective world if we can keep that documentation active and available on our website and in our archives i hope that that will serve an important purpose as well well absolutely and and you know so much of what we learned in history class if we think about it was a, a painting was in our textbook of that right. moment and so it's um i think i don't i will say i don't normally think of it in those terms but absolutely the art that is being created right now um it will be our historical guide and interestingly then um you know the metropolitan opera announced last month that they'll be um closed through the end Awful. of the then yeah. which is it's sad and they have done a great job of kind of reinventing and still making sure that people can engage um but they because of this, they have been able to secure a new opera to premiere the 2021 season, which is, again, very timely, very um, a contemporary African-American composer. And so we, yes, this is a, a scary and unsettling time, and there are so many amazing things that have come out of it, um, both on the national stage and right here in our backyard, which is- Definitely, yeah. And I mean, and certainly, I mean, it's good that you're bringing in the Metropolitan Opera, right? Uh, And I think in contrast to our smaller organizations here, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, what you have done, Amy, what lots of our organizations around here have done, hopefully what we've done with the Polk Museum. I mean, I think we've really shown our our merit, even on not just on a local stage, but on a national stage. I think we can I think we can stand up next to many larger organizations. I mean, I'm proud certainly of what we've done at the museum. I think that we have really been rather cutting edge. Um, I think our our virtual programming, our activity kits, certainly, you know, this exhibition, we've hopefully I think we're more on the forefront of 21st century museums than we ever were before and certainly as we weren't as of february i mean suddenly we are thrust fully into a modern era and i think our arts organizations locally have really 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 proven themselves even in the face of a lot of difficulty i think we are going to withstand we have our supporters in this community we have people who are going to find us newly because of what we've been held to new to try newly but i think that i'm i'm amazed um and i i, I want to congratulate you also on really navigating this successfully through this time well thank you and i i think that's a really um important point um we really we really do have again that that opportunity to reach out to people that have not traditionally engaged with museums and symphonies and dance companies um because we we are where they are now you know sometimes it is challenging to come mm-hmm. to a tuesday night 7 30 concert and figure out who's going to run the kids to soccer practice and what exactly. have you and you know the same thing in the museum just getting there can be a challenge but now um we've we have this incredible um, mission to serve our community, and we can do that um, in in neat ways. And I think I, I'm really excited to hear that this is going to be something that you'll continue because um, I think we're in in the same boat. Um, obviously, our education programs have had to take a little bit of a pivot, um, and that makes it so that we can reach more students with the educational programming that we're creating. And yep. I know the same for the museum. You know, the, the benefits of this are just um, incredible. And it's 
stretched us. I always said I never in the, in my lifetime thought I needed to be a video producer, right? That wasn't right. what I went yeah. to school for, but we've all we've all learned and adapted. And um, fortunately for us, we do have experts in this community that can that can it help is, us it out. It is true. And it's That's redeeming when and when we hear from the community, and I mean, it's it's hard to reiterate this or underline this enough. When we hear from members of the community that what we're doing is appealing to them, that they right. feel like they are engaged with the arts, that we are keeping that in their lives, and that we are bringing the arts to them at home. That really, that that is. Um, it may seem kind of you know a little bit treacly to say this, but it means a lot to us, right? We we work totally. really hard as our teams, typically pretty small teams. I mean, ISO, you you are just a, a few folks running ISO, right? <laughs> uh, we have a team of under 15 at the museum. And you know, when we hear from our members or from members of the public saying, wow, that was a really vital program. And as you said, you're going to people's homes and times making us actually more accessible. When we have our six o'clock Thursday night programs, I hear from so many people saying, oh my God, it makes it so much easier. Yeah, nice. I'm fixing dinner for the kids or I wouldn't be able to come to the museum at six, but I can turn on my phone. I can log on on the computer. Right. And amazingly, and even the people you would think would, be, would have been most resistant to it, we've all gotten so used to living through school sure. Means. So now people are like, yeah, now now it's easy. It makes sense. It's amazing that we never did this before. And we'll hold on to this forever. We will go back to more traditional forms of our organizations and our experiences we offer the public and the community and our members. But of course, this will live on. We now just have an addendum to what we used to do. Absolutely. I think it's it's important that we continue to say that, that there is tremendous value in that tradition. Um, there, we have, there is nothing like coming to a symphonic performance in a concert hall that was built for that purpose, right? Exactly. There is nothing like seeing the works of the masters on the wall in the museum. So those things will absolutely not go away. Um, and they will be enhanced by these um, uh, digital programs. I'm, I'm just super excited about it. Alex, I have loved talking to you today. Always. This has been so much fun. Once again, the exhibition is Hindsight 2020. It is available online at polkmuseumofart.org. Thanks so much, Thanks Alex. So much, I appreciate Amy. it. Thanks. Always Bye. great to chat. Bye. Listen Lakeland is brought to you as a collaborative project between Lakeland Vision, the City of Lakeland, and Hall Communications. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.